Every week uh, we have the privilege, and, and really um, we should never take this for granted, we have the freedom to open our Bibles or open our devices to a particular passage from the Bible, and we're going to do that. I'm going to read um, this afternoon from the Gospel of Luke, Luke uh, chapter 12, and what we're going to look at this afternoon is um, really uh, the world in which we are living you know, when, when, when Peter preached his Pentecost sermon, he spoke about his generation as, and he used kind of stern words, he called the generation which he lived a wicked and a perverse generation. And um, you wonder what Peter would have thought um, if he could go forward about 2,000 years and maybe see a, a bit of a video and in a picture of what we are facing in our own culture. He might say, oh, things are so very different, but in another way, living in the Roman world, he probably thought there's a lot of things that are the same. And in each and every generation as Christians, we've had to contend for the faith. And in each and every generation, we've had to make the commitment to teach our children the things of God. So we're going to be uh, considering that here uh, this afternoon. And um, just a little bit of a heads up, uh, uh, many of you know that uh, my wife Joy and I were, were gone over the past week. Um, it, was, it was a great time to be with children and grandchildren who we haven't seen almost for about three years because our son-in-law is a Marine and he's, uh, they're, uh, they're in the military, so they've been moving around a lot and COVID messed everything up, so it was good to see them. We also had an issue with the airline industry, a lot of cancellations and in the airline industry, a lot of delays, so that... That left us getting home rather much later than we thought, actually at three in the morning. And so it was kind of a rush to get something put together for the service. The content is down, but if, I, if I'm looking down a little bit more than what you're accustomed to, especially at members at Pathway, I would ask that you bear with me and just pay mainly attention to the content if you would. So Luke chapter 12, I want to um, read beginning at verse 49. The Lord Jesus himself says these words. He says, I came to cast fire on the earth and would that it were already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on in one house, there will be five divided Three against two and two against three, they will be divided. Father against son and son against father. Mother against daughter and daughter against mother. Mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He also said to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once a shower is coming. And so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, there's going to be a scorching heat. And it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? How many of us have the analytical skills and the discernment, the spiritual discernment to understand the times in which we are living and the kind of tools that we need to give our kids to navigate these times? You know, when I, when, I, when I ask that, you, I hope you understand that that's something relevant for us in light of the two baptisms that we have, we have witnessed together. The last question that's addressed to the parents in our baptismal form uh, strikes me. And I don't know if it strikes you every time you hear um, 
the question. But the question to the parent, one of the questions was this. Do you as parents promise to instruct your child in this doctrine? And you say, well, what doctrine? Well, doctrine refers to teaching. So, in other words, the question is asked of parents, do you promise to instruct your child in this teaching, namely the teaching of the Old and New Covenants, the Old Testament and New Testament in the Bible, and do you also promise to teach your children these doctrines of the Bible as summarized in the confessional standards of our church? And if you think about it, that is a, that's a big promise. And you think about it, that's a huge responsibility that we have in fulfilling that promise to our children in light of the times in which we are living. It is, it is said by some that we are living in the, the twilight of Western civilization. And you, you maybe know this, that the twilight is that time at the end of the day where the sun is getting a little bit darker and darker and the sun is gradually going down and it's slow, slow, slow until the sun finally disappears behind the horizon. And, and we, when we consider the world in which we are living right now, particularly Western culture, it's, it's, it's like the sun that's going down. It's, it's a civilization that is slowly, slowly declining in a slow, gradual state of dissolution. And like the sun that, that goes down be, behind the horizon, we feel like this is where our culture is heading. It's going down, down, somewhat like the Roman Empire and at one point, it's going to experience such a dissolution that it's going to turn in on itself and it's going to implode. Now, it all sounds very dark, but, but honestly, this is a lot of what Christians are feeling these days. And as, and as Pathway Christian Church, we, we recognize that, but we also recognize that in the midst of the dissolution and the decline of the culture, we can't just sit there and wring our hands, but the Lord calls us to fervently bear witness to the light of Christ in a world that is... A, increasingly experiencing darkness. And if you were here this morning, you know that we dealt with a text like that from 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, where the text goes like this, set apart Christ as Lord in your hearts and be able to give an account that is a defense and a promotion of your faith to anyone who asks of the hope that is within you, yet with gentleness and reverence. So we take that, we take that call of mission very seriously here in this church. But the question also that I want to pose to you this afternoon is, as parents, do we equally take hold of the responsibility to our children to rear them in the things of God? Because our children face huge challenges every day that threaten to undermine their allegiance to the Bible, that, that threaten to undermine their allegiance to to the, the confessional position of the church that, that ultimately threatened their allegiance to the truths of the Bible. So, this afternoon I want to talk about three things, and that is our challenge, the challenge of our times, the calling of our times, and the confidence that we may have as parents during these times to rear our children in the things of God, and that when we do that, God will bless that. Okay? Now, to set the context for this, I want to quickly draw your attention to our passage, because in our passage, Jesus calls us to a complete allegiance to him. So is that passage? Can you put the passage up there? Um, go back to verse, yeah, there you go. Take a look at verse 51. Jesus says, do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? 
No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, in one house, there will be five divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, and so on. Now, if you've been raised in the Christian faith and you experience what's called covenant succession where the baton of faith has been passed on from generation to generation, it's very, very difficult to, to be able to enter into the passage and say, you know, that's exactly what I experienced. We have had a number of Afghanis recently worshiping with us, particularly in the morning worship service. When you talk about living in the Taliban culture and when you talk about the kind of commitments that they have made to Jesus Christ, fundamental commitments. And once you begin to delve into that, then they begin sharing how that has affected relationships that are very, very close to them. And Jesus says, and you know what? Jesus is always teaching us to do the hard thing. Jesus says, you have to be willing, if necessary, to give up the, the most intimate, meaningful relationships in your life in order that I might take precedence in your life, in order that I might be preeminent. Full allegiance must be given to Christ. So Jesus calls us to that, but this isn't all. He also calls us to understand the challenge of our times. There's the first thing. Look at verses 54 through 56. He also said to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once, a shower is coming, and so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say there will be a scorching heat, and it happens you hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? Now, to be honest, when, 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 when we put this in the immediate context of where Jesus says, ultimate allegiance must be given to me, Jesus follows that up by saying, you know, you can tell the weather patterns, but how is it you don't understand the times in which you're living? And you say, well, what times? Well, for the people of Jesus' day, it was the times of the arrival of Jesus. Jesus says, I am the Messiah, I'm the Son of God. I am the King, and I've come to bring my kingdom. Enter into the kingdom. You know, and, and, and Jesus says, how is it that you can hear my preaching to the crowd? How is it you can hear my preaching? How is it you can see the signs that I perform? How is it that you can see and experience the miracles I perform and not understand what is before you? Understand truly the times in which you're living. So that's one layer, the most important layer of how we have to understand the times in the present context of what Jesus is dealing with there with the crowd. But there's another sense that, that we're called to discern the times of the age, my friends, the age in which you and I as Christians and as a church um, are living. Do we understand those times? You know, you, you and I, and it doesn't, you, don't, you don't have to be a meteorologist to figure this out, um, if you go outside, it's a little bit warmer today, right? And a lot of times when we get warmer weather, you can, you, before that, you can feel the wind from the south start coming, and you feel that wind, and you go, oh, yeah, it's probably going to get warmer now. South wind always means warmth. North wind means cold, right? Or you see clouds forming in the west, and you kind of go, well, there's a good chance we're probably going to get wetter weather. And Jesus is like, okay, you know the weather patterns. You know how to figure out the weather very basically. How is it you can't figure out and discern the very times in which you're living. Do we do that? Do we, do we really understand what's going on and what our children are facing? As I noted um, this past week, my wife Joy and I were in uh, the Washington, D.C. area, in Annapolis area of uh, the state of Maryland. And I don't know if you've ever been to um, 
Washington, D.C., but it's really, you get a sense when you go there, it's really the power center of the United States, just as Ottawa is the power center of Canada. The massive buildings, the museums, the monuments, and the masses of people were all very impressive. And if you stop and you listen, you see that it's a microcosm of where our culture is heading. And you could say the same thing. If you go to Ottawa and you go among those massive buildings and you see what's going on there, you get a sense that when you're in Ottawa, you're sensing where Canada is going as a nation. When we're in Washington, D.C., um, pride flags were everywhere. We went out to a restaurant, we went out to various places, government buildings, everything, pride flags everywhere. Much more than even a year ago. Recent marches in New York City among certain groups of people say, this is who we are. And they said, maybe you followed this in the news. They said, and we're coming for your kids. They're not kidding. People in the world are not going to be satisfied with just being tolerated. They want to be accepted and embraced. And there's a certain pride and domination does that take place that is taking place and they say we're coming for your kids you listening to that maybe as, as christian parents who say yeah you come for my kids you're going to do it over my dead body because my kids are not even mine my kids are the lord's People are glued to their phones and instant access to all kinds of information. There's a strange mix of both great wealth and poverty, at least in D.C. There was poverty in the streets, but there were powers in the structures at the same time. And something else struck me, a general lack of grace in those who serve the public, whether it be in airports or restaurants or other forms of public service. More could be said, but this is our world. And uh, this, is, this is the world that is affecting us and affecting our kids every day. Um, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but this is the world in which we are living that is catechizing us every day. If you got your phone with you, probably never you got your phone, you, you look at that phone, okay? And every time you look at that phone, you're being catechized. Every time. In some way or another, whether for good or for evil. We are being catechized by our iPads and iPhones and Apple Watches and Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, Pride Entertainment offerings and other forms of technology, which in some ways can serve us, in some ways, many ways, cannot. And at the very least, what they do is they distract us like Martha in the Bible that keep her really like Mary from sitting at the feet of Jesus. We are being catechized by competing views of sexuality. We're being catechized by our culture's pursuit of wealth and everything woke and porn and technology and power and instant gratification. And they all, all of them compete for our affections, whether in small ways or large ways. Jesus says, do you see this? Do you discern the times and how this is affecting your spirituality and your children? And in the face of all these things, are you willing, are you able to follow me, to give me complete allegiance? This is the challenge of our times. And so the question is, what are we supposed to do as parents? What are we supposed to do? And the answer is not only to accept the challenge of our times, but to accept the calling of that times. And what is that? It's to provide an alternate view of reality, an alternate worldview, an alternate narrative or story by which our children live. 
So when, when we see Kevin and Alana and, and Vince and Brooke and they have their beautiful children, Evie and Shepard, and you see those, those little kids, they are, those are beautiful kids. The color of their skin is great. They're healthy and they're totally vulnerable. And they will, over time, they're going to absorb so much from their parents, but they're going to absorb so much from, their, uh, from the world. Right? And we need to navigate that as parents. We need to protect our children. The Apostle Paul says, when it comes to forming an alternative reality in our children, Paul says in the book of Romans, I think it's chapter 12, where he says, do not be conformed to this world. Literally in the original language, this do not be conformed to this age. Philosophers speak about the zeitgeist, that is the spirit of our times. As the Apostle Paul says as Christians, we are not to be conformed to the spirit of this age, but we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that, listen carefully, we might know how to discern the will of the Lord. My friends, you know, when, when, when we look at the Bible, when we open up our Bibles, and we start with the Old Testament and we move forward through redemptive history, we kind of go, oh, yes, 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 yes. And we, we see a pattern. And what is the pattern? We see a pattern of God's people, not in the majority, but most often in the minority. And they are facing various things throughout redemptive history in the culture. And as they are facing these things in the culture, the parents, and especially the dads, are called to rear their children in the things of God so that they don't get absorbed by this culture. For instance, think of Abraham. He was surrounded. He was surrounded by the darkness and sexual deviance of Sodom and Gomorrah. Think of Moses during the days of Moses where he and the people of God were surrounded by the foreign gods of Egypt. Think about the Israelites. They were surrounded by the idols of Canaan. Think about Daniel and his friends. They were surrounded by the hubris, the pride of Babylon, and they would not, even at the cost of their own lives, they would not submit to the great image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Think about the early church Christians. They were surrounded by the power and the debauchery of the Roman Empire. And in each and every age, the true among the people of God said, No, no. We live as a countercultural people. We serve the Lord. We serve ultimately Him. And they said, you know what? As parents, what we are going to do in the presence of this age, we're going to take this baton of faith and we're going to pass it on to the next generation. So that child, like that little girl Evie and that boy Shepherd, as they grow up to be young men and young women, they're going to have kids hopefully of their own one day and they're going to pass on that baton of faith to them and then to them, to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. And we pray for that, don't we? So that when the time comes, and, and many of us feel it and those of us who are older, who not only have children, but grandchildren now, want to see the passing on the baton of faith to our children so that they might have influence in this world in which we are living, being lights for the gospel, and so that we might be able to see their faces one day in glory. That's what we pray for. Can you put those scriptures up at this point? Uh, I want to bring a couple of scriptures quickly to your attention to illustrate what I just said. This comes from Genesis 18, 19, during the days of Abraham, 
We read, for I have chosen him, that is Abraham, so that he command his children and his household to do what? To keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. Why train your children? And then he goes on to say, so that the Lord may bring Abraham and his descendants what he has promised them. The Lord gives wonderful promises in baptism, but as parents, as parents of the covenant, we want to give our covenant kids the instruction that they need so that in time they may embrace those promised blessings for themselves and experience them in very intimate and beautiful ways. How about this from Psalm 78? Where we read, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, Moses. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words shall be on your heart. And you shall what? You shall teach them diligently to your children. For he established a testimony during the days of the psalmist. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach their children so that the next generation might know them, the children yet to be born, who shall then arise and tell them to their children, covenant succession, to set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but to keep his commandments. And then finally this, from the Apostle Paul, during the time of the Roman Empire, speaking directly to fathers, dads, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline or if you look at the original language, more than nourishment and the instruction of the Lord. The word instruction, original language, has the idea of, of placing something into the minds and the hearts of your children, which is to be what? The word of the Lord. The word of the Lord. Everything that you see in those Bible passages is a reminder to us that we're countercultural people. That as the world is catechizing us, as parents, and especially as dads, we need to be catechizing our kids for the glory of the Lord, that a blessing may abound to us and to also to our children. So dads and moms, this is our calling. Our calling is to both protect and feed our children in such ways as these, family worship, or as oftentimes in our circles, it's noted as family devotions. Um, young parents, are you, are you carving out time out of your busy lives to speak a word of the Lord to your kids, to, to sit down and just go, you know, you know what, it doesn't have to be chapter after chapter. Sometimes, you know, all you have time is for a few verses. Kids will sit down and let's read a few verses and let's pray together. And I want to encourage you in this too. Not only teach your kids how to read the word and share the word with them, teach them how to pray. Many adults, when they grow up in the faith, they have trouble praying out loud and, and in groups of Christians. And, and it's our hope here at Pathway to grow and grow into more of a prayer life. Maybe a prayer life that we were not necessarily given when we were younger. So have family worship. Our calling as parents is to both protect and feed our children with a Christ-centered education where every area of academic endeavor is colored by the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Whether that happens in the home, whether it happens in our Christian schools. 
Our calling is to both protect and feed our children by catechizing them with the truth, which in catechization, this, this involves more than just a pastor or select gifted people in the church just putting information and the right information of truth into the lives of their children. It is that. But true catechization is not just informational, it's also formational. To form their hearts and their minds to be true, genuine, open, transparent disciples of Jesus Christ. Also this, our task is also to give our children the critical skills to be able to navigate the world. Not, not, to, not to necessarily run away from it always, although we're called to run from immorality, but also the ability to analyze what's going on, to read the culture, to exegete it as it were, and to respond to it in a way that glorifies Christ and is a blessing and a light to those in the world. You know, um, in, in Proverbs chapter 5, I don't know if you've ever read that, but the opening chapters of Proverbs, especially Proverbs chapter 5, uh, is, is an illustration of a dad with his son. And do you know what he's talking to his son about? He's talking to his son about prostitution. And, and, and he, doesn't, he doesn't say to himself, well, I know there's the reality of prostitutes out there, but I'm, I'm going I'm to shield my child from that. No, what he does is he comes alongside of his son and he talks to him about prostitution. He says, you know, you want, look at the prostitute. Observe her ways. Look who goes into their house. And everyone who goes into that house goes into a house of death. He's teaching his kid that. Not shielding him, but giving him the analytical and observational skills to be able to look at the world and say, you know what, I know that's going on, but that's not going to be me. It's not going to be me. Most of all, we are to protect and feed our children by praying for them. Man, you, you, can, you, you can teach them all you want, but you need to pray above all for your kids. That what you teach them and the example that you give them is really going to soak in. And the Lord uses the instrument of prayer and his word and his spirit to make that possible. Pray for your children. Pray for your kids. And then finally this. Our calling is not only to accept the challenge of our times and the calling of our times, but it's also to embrace the confidence that we have in our times as Christian parents. And where does our confidence lie? You know where confidence lies? The confidence lies in the promises of God. If you, if you look at the baptism form carefully, it notes on the basis of the Bible that, that in what you observed here in baptism, what God is doing, or what we are doing, is we're making promises to God. But even more importantly, God is making promises to us. And God is making, by us, I mean parents and also our children. He promises that when, he take, when we take our obligations as parents seriously, and, and, and sometimes, oh, just wear out your knees in prayer. He will not turn a blind eye, but he will open the hearts of our children to the gospel. And this, this may happen at an early age. You don't always know how the Spirit works. Sometimes the Spirit works at a very young age, and sometimes the Spirit works at a later age. But, but when, when parents instruct their children and provide an example to their children and do that in a meaningful and regular and a faithful way, generally speaking, these children, according to the timetable of the Lord, stand and they publicly profess their faith at some point, hopefully with that faith passing on to the next generation. Sometimes they don't. 
And maybe there are some here where you have children or you have grandchildren, and you know what? They were raised in a church. They were given the promises of God in their baptism, whatever age that was, but they're not walking with the Lord right now. And you know what? Maybe you talk with them every once in a while, but maybe you're relegated to nothing but this. And you're there like this. And you get on your knees and you pray for them. You pray that the Lord will open up their hearts. And we need to keep praying. I've oftentimes said this, that the great church father, St. Augustine, had a mother, Monica. And when St. Augustine, before he was converted and became arguably one of the greatest church fathers of the Christian church, before that happened, his mother, Monica, was praying for him because he was living with a woman. He had a child out of wedlock. He was a philosophy teacher embracing all kinds of pagan philosophies. And I suppose there would be a lot of people in the church who, would, who just, just kind of wrote him off. And that's Augustine, you know, lost to the world. That Mother Monica, man, she was there and she was praying and she was praying. And I believe it was the, the great preacher Ambrose, he said, Oh, a child of so many tears cannot be lost. And the Lord brought him to faith. The Lord brought him faith. And not just brought him to faith, but made him mighty in the kingdom of God. So in the end, I want to offer you encouragement. What we've just witnessed here in the baptism of Evie and Shepherd. Is, is not something insignificant. It's not just some kind of custom we do in this church. But God gave his covenant promises to these children. And he placed his mark of ownership upon them. And he said to the parents, and he said to this child, without the child even realizing it, but the parents will tell little Evie and little Shepherd, this is what God was saying to you. He's saying, come follow me. Come follow me. And of course, you know, these promises could be said not only to be given to Shepherd and Evie, but to, to most of our children here who were given the promises of the covenant in their baptism. My friends, how are we in terms of our own faith life? Are we embracing these covenant promises with our own? Or are we like prodigals far from the Father's house where the Father's calling, He's calling, but we're just like this for now, for now. Do what the prodigal did if you have to get in that pigsty of life where you hit finally rock bottom and you say, you know what? I have sinned against heaven and I've sinned against my father. I'm going to return to my father's house. May we all fulfill the promises given into our baptism. And so in light of this, I leave you with this. Very simple. Our children are a precious heritage, and every parent knows ultimately, as a Christian, that these kids are not ours. Okay, we, we, we brought them physically into the world, but they're the Lord's. He owns them. He claims them. The mark of ownership of the Lord is upon them. So in light of that, may we love on our children. May we pray for them. May we teach them. May we show them how to discern the times in which they are living giving them the analytical skills to gauge what's going on in the world. May we instill in them the courage to swim against the tide because the tide is getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And finally, may we form in them a deep heartfelt burden for the lost and the wandering who need to come to the Father's house and experience many of the covenant blessings that you and I experience together. And if we do this, we must trust that God does not turn a blind eye to this kind of instruction and tutelage and nurturing of our children, but that his blessings will abound.
For as the Bible says, that God's promises are yes, and they are men, and they are amen in Jesus Christ. It's true. With some of those words, let's, uh, let's have a word of prayer together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gospel of covenant baptism, for the good news of your promises to us and your children and, and, and your children and our children. Father, as is noted, we, we are living in a world that is not satisfied that we just put up and shut up. But Father, we are living in a world that has laid claim, a satanic claim upon our children. Lord, help us to fight the good fight of faith. Lord, help us to be resilient. Lord, give us courage. Lord, give us a steely spine. Lord, help us to, to inculcate and instill deeply into our children a love for you and the blessings that abound when our children submit to you and give their full allegiance to you. Lord, uh, just bless us as Pathway Christian Church in this regard. And whatever other churches, Lord, we are here as guests, Lord, we pray that you bring that about in our churches as well. That you will cause us to flourish as we train our children. And that too, not only to protect themselves from the tide of this world, but even more so in some cases, to be true lights and salt in this world as Jesus calls us to a world that is so in need of the healing, transformational power of the gospel. So God, grant that to us. This is, this, we're asking for a lot, Lord. We really are. But you are a God who is powerful, sovereign, and generous. And you love to answer the prayers of your children, even more than we are even willing to pray. And for this, we give you thanks. Answer this prayer, Lord, we pray. For we pray it in our Lord and Savior's name, Jesus. Amen. We are going to 